0: Good morning, church. Happy New Year. Hey, uh, do something with me real quick. Go ahead, stand up. Stand up to your feet. It's a new year. We're going to stretch out. And get ready for this new year. Gee, I actually cracked there. I wasn't expecting to. Go ahead and, uh, if you need to stabilize yourself, go ahead, put your hand on the chair in front of you, but raise your, raise your left leg. This is not for good aim on the fire hydrant, Pastor Chad. This is uh, so you can start the new year off on the right foot. You may have a seat. I did not come up with that joke, it was borrowed, I don't even remember who said it. Somebody said it to me over the last couple of days, it might have been my mother-in-law or something, I don't know. But, hey, good morning to those of you online, good morning to those of you here, happy new year. If you don't remember me or you don't know who I am, my name is Seth, I'm the student ministry pastor here around these parts at State College Alliance Church, and yesterday, January 1st, January 1, this is the beginning of year nine for me being on staff here at State College Alliance Church. Praise God, yeah, praise God. That's awesome, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that uh, to like toot my own horn, I just want to give God glory, and above everything else, I want to thank our student leaders and our awake adult leaders. They are the lifeblood of the ministry, investing in small groups and building relationships with the students and mentoring them in the kingdom way. So. Thank you to you guys. It has been a joy to walk with you for nine years in student ministry. Uh, it's been a while since I have perched up here and preached from this pulpit. I last preached to you, uh, You are the, the student ministry refers to you as the big church. I last preached to you the big church on Sunday, June 6th of 21, last year. It was the last Sunday before I would depart for a summer sabbatical, and then upon my return in mid-August from sabbatical, my Sunday mornings got fuller with uh, a new journey that was started. Starting on Sunday mornings during the 9 a.m. service for our Awake Student Ministry. The journey started in London where I met a young boy and girl and then we went to the dreadful land of Charn until finally we wound up in the glorious land of Narnia. Uh, yes, myself and a handful of leaders and about a dozen or so students have been on adventure to the land of Narnia. A group of us started this class we have just called the gospel and Narnia, uh, and it happens in the all-purpose room during the first service. So students in sixth through 12th grade, shameless plug, if you ever want to come join us, do so. It's a great time. We, we read scriptures that apply to the chapter of Narnia that we're in, and then we talk about uh, kingdom dwelling and the Christian life and how the, the story and the scriptures apply to us. And it's beautiful. The, the, the word of God, God's revealing his word to us, and it's very life-giving. So I would invite students to come And check that out, it's been great. Before Christmas, we concluded The Magician's Nephew, and starting on uh, January 16th, we'll be launching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So that's 9 a.m. in the All-Purpose Room. But today, here we are, friends. It's the first Sunday of a new year, and I am honored to launch our church into 2022 with today's sermon. My hope for this sermon today is that it would set the tone for your life in 2022, that you would have an awakening to the glory of Christ and that the glory of Christ would be on the forefront of your minds today for all of 2022 and prayerfully for the rest of your days. Now, as a church, we're pressing into the Alliance 40 Days of Prayer and our sermonizing over the next several weeks will be tied nicely into the daily devotionals that are available for you. You can register for them online to get them emailed to you from the the link in the bulletin. There's hard copies out at the info center. You can connect some, uh, collect some in the church office too if you need to. Uh, But it would be a really simple devotional tool for yourself to grow along with our church in the same direction. Uh, Maybe you use it as a family around the the dinner table or maybe you use it as a community group. I think that'd be a great resource for you guys to keep tracking in the same direction as a whole church. Maybe use it on your lunch break or use it with a handful of neighbors just to grow and use it as a prompt to spur one another on. I think that'd be really cool to see the fruit of God's work play out in our church as we align our thinking, our minds, and our hearts to what God has in store for us on this 40-day-of-prayer journey all of us together in one direction. It would be like we're all driving the same Honda. It's like what Luke was talking about after Pentecost in Acts 2 when he said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. That was the Honda. Sorry. I had to make that joke as a pastor. It's my civic duty. (laughs) You ought to see my other jokes. Okay, okay back on track, friends, back on track. The first theme we will kick off in this sermon series is focused on reawakening as the theme of the whole 40 days of prayer, and today we're focusing on reawakening to the glory of Christ. So I have reasonably named my sermon today, Reawakening to the Glory of Christ of Christ. And this is a great time for this message. It's a new year. It feels so normal this week, this season, to have fresh goals, making new commitments, to be running some, some New Year's resolutions. So for those of you here or tuning in online, good for you, gold star. You've made it to every Sunday church this year. Well done. Well done. I wonder if we could join together in this new year and commit together as a community, as a church family, to surrendering to God everything about us, all of our goals, all of our fears, all of our pride, all of our brokenness from this past year, and step into this space right now that is a posture of surrender before God, a surrender of 2022 to the Lord. So, I'm gonna ask you one more time if you're able to stand, go ahead and stand with me. And if you feel comfortable, put your hands out like this. And we're gonna do this as a posture of of receiving and giving. We're receiving blessing from the Lord that we would see his glory and receive his glory for this new year, but we're also delivering it to him, saying, God, this is your year. Have your way in my life. And there's nothing magical or hyper spiritual about standing or putting your hands out, but sometimes physical posture leads to spiritual posture. And I wanna lead us in this way. This morning, that our spiritual posture would be surrender and that we would receive a reawakening to the glory of Christ. Jesus, come now, fill our hearts, fill our minds, do a work to transform us and renew us. We give this year to you. We surrender everything about ourselves, everything about your kingdom and your ministry is yours. Have your way in our lives, Jesus, and let us be a part of it. Let us rejoice as being parts of it. Would your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven? 2022 is yours, Lord. We look forward to seeing your glory play out this year and excited to be a part of it. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, that's the last time I'm gonna ask you to stand. You can have a seat. I want to start out with a story called The Legend of the Sleeper. Now, in my grandpa's house, uh, my grandpa and my grandma, I referred to them. Hi, Susie. Good morning. We referred to them as Nana and Pop-Pop. Nana and Pop-Pop had these orange chairs in the living room, and they were their chairs. Like, Pop-Pop's chair was the chair on the left. It could swivel, and it could recline with the legs up. Nana's chair could turn left. It could swivel, but it couldn't, the legs didn't go up. So as a cousin, like when dinner was over, you were like real quick to get to the living room to get Pop-Pop's chair if you could because you wanted. Your legs up for watching Home Alone or Jurassic Park. Those were things we did as cousins around the holidays. But when Pop-Up came in, you were very quick to get out of Pop-Up's chair because he was going to sit there. And this is the legend of the sleeper. There's like a dozen cousins. We're making so much noise watching a movie, playing games. Pop-Up could just go, sit in the chair, and close his eyes. You know what I mean? He would close his eyes, and we would be like, Pop, Pop, what are you doing? Come on, we'd shake him. Be with us, open your eyes. Isn't this, isn't this great? This is so exciting. He's like, you know what he would say? I was just resting my eyes. I was just resting my eyes. But I know like, when the mouth is open, and you can see the, the vapors coming out, there's more than just resting your eyes happening in that moment. He was sleeping. How could you sleep in such an exciting time? And so, The cousins are making noise. Come on. The legend of the sleeper. I was just resting my eyes. Well, that leads us to my text today, Ephesians 5:14 that says, "Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." My prayer is that you would have a reawakening to the glory of Christ, and maybe you're here, and for the first time, you'll experience the glory of Christ, or maybe you have just been resting your eyes, and you need a reawakening to the glory of Christ, and I pray that you do today. What is the glory of Christ? I think we'll start there today. It's what we all crave, and I think it's what we all need. We desperately need the glory of Christ to shine on us, John Piper, who's a pastor who I look to a lot and I appreciate his teaching greatly. John Piper refers to the, the glory of God um, as the holiness of God going public. God's holiness on display for the world to see. He references Isaiah 6.3. I wanna read that here for you. Hear what the prophet Isaiah says as he describes the vision he has of the glory of Christ. In the year that King Uzziah died, Now, you might have expected it to say holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of his holiness. That almost makes sense, but it doesn't use the word glory. Now, that word glory is an awfully hard word to try and explain, it is like praise. It is like beauty, but it is greater than either of those words, individually or combined. It is far more than what we can see and describe. This is, this is Christ. He is holy. He is set apart, and the whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of the display of his holiness. I am gonna try and describe it for you and define it for you this morning. So here's a shot at it. This is not perfect, but I think glory is a bit of us pointing to Christ and making him more famous. Glory is bringing honor and praise to to Christ. Glory is steering towards Christ and declaring beauty in majesty in all that we do. Glory is magnifying Jesus and saying, the lion and the lamb, the fierce one who brought death to its own grave and the meek one who did so by dying on the cross to take away the sins of the world. Glory. Th- this is God, the son of God, Emmanuel, sent to save sinners who died for us and rose from the grave on the third day. Glory to him and to his name. This is Christ, our Savior, sanctifier, healer, and coming King, God's only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. This is God in the flesh, humans beholding the glory of God walking on earth. We just talked about this a ton over the Christmas season. John 1 says it like this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is God in the flesh amongst us. We got to behold his glory. Sinclair Ferguson, in his book, In Christ Alone, puts it this way, when we come to know Christ as our Redeemer, we discover to our amazement and joy that we also have come to know our Creator. Then we say, we have seen his glory. I'd like to share a story about Jesus where his glory is highlighted in a way that is, that is incredible, where we see a collision of father and son reveal glory. Well, there, one of the guys who journeyed with Jesus, though, his name was Peter, and I love Peter. Peter walked with Jesus, he feasted with Jesus, he saw Jesus' miracles, yet he denied Jesus multiple times. Now, he was forgiven by Jesus and reinstated By Jesus, and was sent in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit to build the church of Christ and reveal God's glory to the world, bringing transformation. Peter said in his second letter to the church For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son with whom i am well pleased we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain peter's referring here in this text to the transfiguration of jesus that luke wrote about in chapter 9 it says this in luke 9 now about 8 days after these sayings jesus had just got done talking to the disciples about what it means to carry your cross and be a disciple he took with him peter john and james and went up on the mountain to pray and he was praying As he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. This is Jesus' face, and his clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and those who were with him were clapping and dancing feasting and celebrating because of the wonderful things that they have been seeing, the glory of God in the flesh with Moses and Elijah. This is crazy. Were they bowing in humility? No. It says Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. They were sleeping. They were the legend of the sleeper in this moment. What in the world is happening? When they became fully awake, they saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Does the meeting on the mountain, encountering God and having a transformation ring a bell? It's familiar, maybe to you, because of the story in Exodus 34 where Moses is encountering the glory of God, receiving the law and being transformed by the presence of God. And his glory. Here in this story, Jesus is transformed. His face is altered. His clothes become dazzling after this divine encounter with glory with Moses and Elijah and God the Father. Peter, James, and John, they encountered the the glory of God's voice directly, audibly here, and they're witnessing Jesus and Moses and Elijah, the three amigos, the three musketeers, the three figures that have been used to reveal so much of the glory of God to the world. And Jesus chose to include the three stooges. Listen to what Peter, the stooge, says here. And if you're too young to know what the three stooges are, just YouTube it. I'm just saying, Peter was a silly dude who didn't know how to fully process what was going on in this moment. Peter says, How about I make some tents for you guys? This is a good idea. Moses, you can have a tent. Elijah, you can have a tent. Jesus, you have a tent. What do you think, Son of the God most high? You're beaming, and I just heard the voice of the living God who is full of glory, revealing holiness. Would you like three-tenths? He was sleeping. He was awakened. And when he was awakened, he saw the glory. And often, when we are spiritually sleeping, and when we are spiritually awakened, it goes like this, right? Like, I've met with Jesus. I've experienced his glory. And now, wow, I almost have no words that are appropriate to describe it. How about we build some tents? When we have an encounter with the divine, with God's glory, sometimes all we can do is fall to our knees. And I don't just mean spiritually, I do mean physically too. Have you ever dropped to your knees to kneel in prayer to God? Again, there isn't anything magical or special about the position itself, but we equate that with an honoring, with humility before another. We practiced this discipline during our, our Advent prayer odyssey in our student ministry in the fireside room. Kneeling and praying was one of the stations we had as we, uh, we, we attempted to, to experience God's glory through prayer through a, a dozen different stations or so uh, during Christmas time. It was a powerful, powerful moving station. Many of the, the leaders and students said, Being on your knees and praying, there was just something unique and special about that. But this wasn't the only time that God spoke revealing the glory of Jesus. This same experience occurred when John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. This is my son. The glory of God is his holiness on display. In the glory of God, the glory of Christ is his presence with us. It is God with us. I wonder if you have been exposed to the glory of Christ in your life lately. Awake, O oh sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So what do we mean by a reawakening? That's a great question. That's what I was going to talk about next. Reawakening I mean to have your eyes open. Ephesians 1:18 describes it as having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We tend to doze off on long journeys, on car trips, in church. I see you. Or even sitting in your chair on Christmas time with loads of activities happening. So as followers of Jesus who are on this spiritual relational journey with Christ for the long haul, we may doze off. We may get distracted. We might fall asleep or wind up running off like a prodigal. So according to God's word, I think reminders, are important, And that's why we're here today, to have a reminder. Sometimes we refer to reawakenings as revivals or reminders, right? And these are a gift from the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, This is why I sent Timothy to you. He's writing to the church in Corinth. My beloved and faithful child, Timothy in the Lord. I sent him to you to remind you of the ways in Christ. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1.13, I think it right, as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Romans 15, 15. But on some points, Paul writes, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace God has given to me. 1 Corinthians 15, a great reminder for us here today. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, Then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach And this is what you believed. Paul goes on to describe the resurrection of the dead and remind the church of the resurrected body. And as he's doing that, he says in verse 34, come back to your senses. Come back to your senses. He's saying, wake up, church. Wake up and stop sinning. See the glory. Experience the glory. Dive in fully with the transformation from a heart of surrender. Wake up. Come back to your senses as you ought to. We need reminders. We build our whole lives on the gospel. We need to keep remembering it and growing in our knowledge of it. Every, uh, over the years in our student ministry, uh, we've hosted gatherings of students that we have referred to as revivals or, or awakenings. These are just opportunities to simply be with God, to hear from God, to worship God together as a community in song and praise. As a body, and these students come together, these moments have been very life giving and, and eye opening. And so, another shameless plug for our student ministry on January 13th, it's our kickoff into the winter season. It's our awake revival for 22, January 13th for students in 6th through 12th grade. I hope to see you there. Okay, done with the shameless plugs. Awake, O oh sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Friends, I need the glory of Christ to shine on me so that I remember how desperately I need his glory to shine on me because I am often like the Israelites wandering and wandering in the wilderness. Man, they saw the plagues. They were freed from slavery and they're on their way to the promised land. They participated in the first Passover where God's grace was extended to those covered by the blood of the lamb having been led by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night, having watched the Red Sea split and see the Egyptians and all the hell of that history washed away in a moment by the power of God, they for sure have seen his glory. And then to experience hunger and say, things were better when we were slaves. They forgot God's glory. They forgot who it was that did that. God did these incredible God sized things. How could they forget? How could they wander from that? I am so like them, though. This is me, friends. In my flesh, I am tempted and wandering. I am rooted in Jesus. I know his word, and I'm growing in his word. I love his spirit, and I am so thankful I have a heavenly father who loves me. But in a moment, I am so prone to wander. I am so inclined to pervert to pervert glory from looking to Christ and giving him all the glory to taking all the glory for myself. I want the glory to be mine. I am quick to forget sometimes. I need God to continue to do a great work in my soul of binding my wandering heart to him. And maybe you're in that same space today. So who says I need awakened? Who says you need awakened? Now, I don't want to get all fire and brimstone on you on the first Sunday of 2022, but it is for the purpose of opening up our eyes to the reality that we all face and that you might find hope and salvation in the midst of our spiritual reality. And the reality is this, that Paul says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are disconnected from God and his glory because of sin. And Revelation 21.8 says that as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And I hear you, you're saying, pastor, that doesn't sound too cheery and getting me pumped up for New Year's resolutions. I know, but hang with me. Judgment is to come. But Romans five nineteen, Paul says this: just as though, just as through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. This is referring to the fall of Adam, uh, the fall of man in the garden, having been kicked out of the garden of Eden. The holy presence of God, separate from humans, now he's out of their midst; they are out of his midst. From this point on, humanity is born into sin. It is through the disobedience of one man that many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many were made righteous. This is referring to Christ's obedience on the cross. Disobedience paid for with great obedience. The first part of this is, is heavy, I realize, but this is truth. So listen to more of this good news. While we were sinners, God showed his great love. He, Christ died for us. This is what Paul's talking about in 519. 519. The obedience of Jesus on the cross brings righteousness to those who believe in the work of Christ, making us right before God. But we tend to fall asleep we need Christ. We tend to get apathetic in our faith, especially with so many comforts and securities afforded to us. We're prone to lack a desire of the kingdom. We are prone to believe our fears, to live in sin, and to walk forward with an ignorance to the truth of God's word because we're comfortable with the here and now. We can easily slip into the habit of living for ourselves and forget that God has redeemed us and placed us here in this town at this time to be with him and let the overflowing of being with him pour out into the community around us and beyond. I need reminded of this. Christians need reminded of this. Non-Christians need reminded of this to hear this, that we would have an awakening, a reawakening to the glory of Christ. May the Spirit of God awaken you to the glory of Christ here today. How? How are we to be awakened to the glory of Christ? In our student ministry, we try to create space for students to become exposed to and experience Christ, his kingdom, and the biblical purposes of his church. We aren't trying to recreate the glory of God. We can't do that. I can't do that. But we can absolutely create spaces for people to come as they are, get a taste for a community of believers, preach the gospel, testify to God's glory, care for another with love and prayer in small groups, serve together and serve each other and more. But only God can reveal his glory when and how he chooses. 2 Corinthians three seventeen to 18, it says, now the Lord is the spirit, I think you know this. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But listen to this. When we, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So it is his work. He does the reawakening within us. This truth of the awakening, being the work of the Spirit, comes with a great promise that we are being transformed and becoming glorious by witnessing God's glory. Let's consider for a moment the apostle Paul. Paul was asleep to the glory of Christ. In fact, to run the metaphor even further, Paul was overdosing on spiritual sleeping pills until he had an encounter with the glory of Christ. In Acts 9, he was awakened. He was revived. He was remade and renewed. He was reclaimed and redeemed by Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ. Paul's encounter with glory set him apart to bring about awakening in others. And though Paul is dead and gone, his legacy of transformation from an encounter with the glory of Christ has shaped history forever, shaped the scriptures, shaped my life with texts hidden deep in my heart from a young age. Paul, who was ravaging the church, was saved by grace through faith in Christ after having a personal encounter with his glory, after an encounter with the presence of Christ. So how can you be exposed to this glory of Christ, and how can you experience the glory of Christ? Now, this certainly isn't an exhaustive list, but I wanna share a couple of things we strive to do and talk about a lot in our student ministry. We strive to create space for students to experience the Spirit of the Lord, the glory of Christ, through teaching the Word faithfully, through worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth, through testifying to God's glory of the work that He has done in our lives. We just got to keep creating these spaces for people to talk about it. We help students experience the glory of Christ on retreats. At least twice a year, we take students away to spend a weekend out of the norm, out of their regular rhythms. To hear from a speaker, to engage in worship, and to go deeper in community together as we're chasing after the glory of Christ. We took students to a camp in November. Jonathan Weibel was a phenomenal speaker at the camp that weekend, and we all came back with COVID. You remember when the ha- it was terrible? It was great, but the students experienced life transformation when they encounter the glory of Christ. And retreating is one way that that can happen. And we do that with our students and we do that with our leaders as well, twice a year before each semester, before each fresh season of ministry. We get away, we get on the same page, we worship Jesus, we experience his glory. And there's a work that the Spirit does when we do that. That could be a discipline that maybe you need to invite into your life at some point. We serve together on missions trips and serving in our church and serving locally when opportunities arise. And we offer to each student who is growing and transforming, grace on grace on grace. We're just trying to create spaces where people can have an awakening to the glory of Christ. So my question maybe to you this morning, I know that's not a list of every single way you can experience the glory of Christ, but what aspects of exposing yourself to the glory of Christ might you need to welcome into your life to allow for reminding and revival? And then when you experience the glory of Christ, when you are reawakened to the glory of Christ, how do we respond? What do I do with this? Okay, I've had an awesome experience. Should I be like Peter and suggest tent making? I mean, if there's a niche for like selling tents in State College, there's a lot of outdoorsy people. Maybe you could actually do that. That could be cool. But I think our one word response to responding to the glory of Christ is worship. Can you say worship? Yeah, and it may look like a song. It may look like a dance. It may look like tears. It may look like being still and silent. It may look like falling on your knees. It may look like any number of those things, but it is a whole life shift now. It is surrender and participation. It is laying down my life mission to pick up his great redeeming mission It is a love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor, shift. Your response might be an expression that may come out in a moment like an act of praise, but it is your life that worships Christ. Give him glory. He is glorious. This is your response to the awakening of the glory of Christ. I wanna share three practical steps that you might be able to take in responding to the glory of Christ. Number one, surrender, if you're taking notes. Surrender all of yourself to Christ as Lord and Savior. Surrender. Number two, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Read the word daily. Be in the Bible. Study the word. Know the word. It is living and active and will take root in you and bring about transformation I didn't make that up. Paul said it here in Romans 12, one through two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. R.C. Sproul says it this way in The Holiness of God, as a response in light to what Christ has done for us. He said, Because the days of animal sacrifices are over, many people assume that all sacrifices offered to God are abhorrent to him. That is simply not true. Here, the Apostle Paul calls for a new kind of sacrifice, a living sacrifice of our bodies. We are to give God not our grains or our animals, but ourselves. This new sacrifice is not an act of atonement. It is not a sin offering. The sacrifice of our bodies to God is a thank offering. Surrender. Renew your mind. And the last one I have for you is surround yourself. Surround yourself. Surround yourself with people who hunger for more of the glory of Christ. People who hunger for Christ sharpen those who are hungry for Christ. It is part of God's sanctifying plan for your life. This is why community groups are vital. It is part of a a tool, a resource that God can use to take you deeper in your faith and community and sharpen one another. Men's ministry, women's ministry, 2030 Connect, Primetimers, ACF on campus, Awake Student Ministry, our our kids' ministries in 252 and Awana. There is a place for you to connect and be sharpened and to sharpen others. This is part of kingdom dwelling, and it's good. It's here in the space of Of surrendering, of renewing your mind, and surrounding yourself with people who hunger for more of the glory of Christ, where we are reawakened, and where we shift from the legend of the sleeper to the legacy of the awakened. What kind of legacy do you want to leave this year for 22? Apostle Paul says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all. For the glory of God. So we're going to take a moment now to respond together in response to the great love that God has lavished upon us. I'd like to invite my wife, Alyssa, to come up here and join me as we turn to the communion table. Jonathan, you can come on up here and start dabbling some pretty music notes behind us too. We're going to reflect on the holiness, the glory that our good and gracious God has put on display for us.